Welcome to Fertility Help Hub's podcast. I'm Eloise, the founder and editor, and each week we bring you expert interviews, reader stories, holistic products, and more. Subscribe to our podcast for free so you never miss an episode. Hello, today I'm being joined on our podcast by Natalie Hart, who's going to be sharing her egg donation story. Welcome, Natalie. How are you doing today? I'm very well. Thank you, Eloise. Thank you for having me. And you're all the way in Australia. Is that right? I am. I am. I'm located in Melbourne, Australia. How are things in Australia? Are you in lockdown? We, we are in lockdown. This is lockdown number six for us. Wow. Here in Melbourne, yes, it's been it's been very long. So um, hopefully, we should hear some uh, updated news in in a couple of weeks about what's happening next for us. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Well, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today to talk about your story. Please, can you start by just giving people um, start from the beginning and just tell us exactly what happened. Yeah, no problem at all. Um, So I met my fiancé quite late in life. So 2015, I was um, 40, 41. And I, after the first year of, I guess, uh, being together, we decided that we wanted to have a family. So I came off the pill, which which I'd been on for over 20 years. And I came off that in December uh, and then by February, I had a really bad hot flush. Um, and I knew instantly that something was wrong. It was something I had never experienced before. It was just like this bolt bang of heat, like all over my body. Um, and I, and I knew straight away, I'm like, this is, this is not good. Something is, is really, really wrong here. And then, yeah, went to the doctors and um, pretty much had some blood tests done and was confirmed as, as perimenopausal. Um, so, yeah, that was, that was a really big shock. What exactly does that mean? So, essentially, I was in menopause. I, my, the contraceptive pill had actually been masking my symptoms. So, I was still getting my period every month, um, although it definitely had got a lot lighter over the years. So that was, so I I, I knew that. Um, but yes, the the pill was masking all of those menopausal symptoms, um, and it wasn't until I came off and I guess my body kind of regulated not having the the contraceptive pill in my system um, that those that those symptoms just kicked straight in straight away. So were you actually going through menopause at that time? Well, um, yes, I, I was, yes, I was in menopause, although I didn't know it because I'd been on the pill. So yes, I, I was, I was in menopause. Wow. That's a big shock, isn't it? Is, is that something that runs in the family, premature uh, menopause? Um, no, actually my, I'm an only daughter in my, in my family. So my mum had had three miscarriages before she had um, myself and my, my two brothers. And I obviously had no other sister to kind of compare that with. But my dad was actually um, a Vietnam veteran. So when I went to go and see my fertility specialist, um, she said that uh, probably because Agent Orange was um, permanent in um, Vietnam, that my dad may have been affected by Agent Orange. Um, and in turn, that had probably affected my 
ovarian reserve. Um, I got my period very late. I was like um, 17, 18 when I got my period. And then literally in at 40, 41, I was in menopause. So that's quite a short a short time. Um, so yeah, the, the Agent Orange has probably affected my ovarian reserve. Wow. And I think that I read from the story that you sent over that you had about 1% of your eggs left. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. So when I was, after I had my hot flush and I went to the doctors and had said to them, look, I'm, I'm looking to start a family. Like how, how will all of this work? I did have my AMH Um, my ovarian reserve uh, tested and yes and pretty much I had less than one percent left of my eggs left so I I think I even though I didn't feel those symptoms until I was 41 I believe I was probably in menopause well before then with less than one percent I think I could have been in menopause definitely by my late 30s. Wow do you did you ever have your fertility checked when you were in your 20s or 30s or was this the first time because you were trying to conceive? Um, well, with my um, ex de facto partner, we did try for a year to fall pregnant um, and we never fell pregnant and we were just about to go and do some fertility testing and then our relationship broke down. So obviously that was kind of off the cards. Um, so maybe had I, if that relationship hadn't broken down and then I went and had the testing, so that was kind of mid-30s, I, I feel I probably would have picked it up. But but otherwise, no, that was the first time that I had had it picked up. Gosh, that must have been such a huge shock for you. What, what, what did you do after that? Um, you know, there was definitely a lot of tears. I, I remember you know, seeing my fertility specialist and her saying, you know, with less than 1% left, we need very, very aggressive IVF. Um, you know, I remember sitting in my car in the, in the car park and just, you know, being, you know, very inconsolable because I wanted to be a mum, uh, you know, unfortunately just having met my partner a little bit later and I didn't know too much about donor eggs and I knew then I was really up for a battle um, yeah, I was I was really upset because I thought, you know, I've met someone who I want to have a family with and, and potentially now it's it's too late. Oh, my goodness. You've been through so much. So when did you decide, OK, we're going to investigate egg donation and go for it? Yep. So my fertility specialist was actually really good. She said typically a lot of um, clinics with less than 1% left of your eggs left, they would not allow you to do IVF. She said, but I'm going to allow you to do it um, more so to get the what if out of your mind. What if, you know, the IVF had of work? So first thing is they just really, um, I had to get on some medication to, I guess, reduce my SFH because it was, you know, it was over 100 because of the menopause. So get my body back into a natural rhythm um, to then start the the IVF. So the first round of IVF got cancelled. Obviously, my body, you know, no amount of uh, medication was going to kickstart those ovaries into producing eggs. So literally went in for my first scan and they were just like, look, you're lying, nothing's happening with your lining in your uterus and there's no follicles. Um, so they cancelled that cycle. Um, and then she said, look, we'll try again. We'll try some different medication. Um, so went back in for the for the second round and, and again, same thing happened. They, they cancelled that too. Um, and basically I was just given, you know, two options. They said, look, we can do a third round, but really it's going to be a waste of money. 
um, the only way now for you to go and have your family is is via egg donation. Um, so yeah, it, it was a lot to to take in. I didn't know too much, obviously, about egg donation. Um, and I think like any woman, and and in hindsight, it was a little bit silly. You know, you kind of just do grieve about that whole own egg. Um, but in reality, it was it was nothing to really worry about because at the end of the day, when you want to be a mum, you don't you don't go around and think about oh that's my child with my DNA. You just you just say well that's my child. It doesn't matter how you get the child or the family. Um, you just want the family. The the DNA is is irrespective. It, it doesn't even enter your mind. Totally. And and we have three sperm donor conceived children. And that's exactly how my husband feels. There was a lot of apprehension during the process and mm. during the pregnancies. But when they were here, as I'm sure many people may have heard before, that those apprehensions do disappear and, and there's so much love. But I would say from one donor conceived parent to another, I don't know if you feel this too. There is also when you're parenting donor conceived children, kind of longer term not anxieties but considerations around um questions that might come up whether you talk to your children how you talk to your children which are are lifelong aren't they yes no absolutely I mean that is when people are donor conceived you know you go down two paths there are people that are open about their journey um to you know provide support inspire there is no shame because sometimes I feel you know, maybe people feel there is a little bit of shame in that regard of having conceived a, a child that way and, you know, what if the child doesn't like me? Um, or people stay quiet and, and they and they say nothing and, and you know, we definitely were not going to go down that path. Um, so, yeah, there's always an element of, of how will my child respond when I tell him. Um, but I'm just really of the, of the opinion if you are just so open and honest um, from the beginning, that, you know, children are just so resilient, like they're not going to spend their whole life wandering around thinking that they were donor conceived. Like, yes, it is a part of their life, but it's not a big part. Does that make sense? Like I don't feel they are going to every minute of the day be Mm -hmm. thinking about how they were conceived. You know, they have a loving home. They have a beautiful mum and dad. Um, You know, they're growing up. Uh, you are you are you are teaching them and 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 nurturing them into the world and 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 that's what they're going to enjoy and love not um be sitting here thinking about you know how they were conceived yeah exactly and um tell us about the process to select your egg donor and also where you went for your treatment because you went abroad didn't you Yes, yes. We ended up going over to South Africa on recommendation. So uh, essentially we were given, again, a couple of different options. We could either import eggs from an egg bank, um, but we were told, you know, it was very expensive and and sometimes the egg quality was not as good because they were frozen eggs and not frozen embryos. Um, We could, if we had the money, we could go and get into a guarantee program. So somewhere over in the States, or we could go over to South Africa um, now, funnily enough, I did have um, my best friend's um, brother, his wife um, had actually gone over and, and done egg donation over in South Africa. Um, but that was the first kind of person that I knew that had been over there. Uh, so, yeah, we we could sit and wait and try and find a donor here in Australia. But again, because of how the process works, it can be very time consuming. Um, we didn't really want to 
you know, wait for someone to kind of pick us, which is what you need to do here unless you know someone, you know, younger than you for, the, for their eggs. Um, so, yeah, we, we decided to make the choice and, and go over to South Africa for the egg, egg donation. Was it expensive doing that? Um, it wasn't really, like, I don't feel it was that expensive. So, you know, the treatment was probably 12000 Australian dollars, um, but you could go over there for a holiday, flights, accommodation, obviously pre-COVID, um, you know, for dollars $16,000, $17,000, um, which is probably a lot more cost-effective than actually doing the, the IVF here in Australia. Yes, exactly. And yeah. so uh, what happened with your first round of treatment with uh, egg donation? Yep. So I was really lucky. I, um, I did fall pregnant with my first round. Um, I did pick an, uh, a first-time donor as well. So the women over in South Africa, they can only donate up to six times. Uh, and a lot of people sometimes say, oh, you should get a known donor if they've had pregnancies or successful, um, you know, if the intended parents have had successful pregnancies. But I just, I chose someone who I connected with. And this this young lady I really connected with, we had a lot of um, similarities and, and everyone has to start somewhere. And the fact that they can only donate up to six times, if you're always picking somebody who has donated before, you know, then those people eventually will be out of the, the pool um, as such. So, so yeah, I was very lucky. I picked a, a great first-time donor and I, and I came back pregnant. Wow. How did that feel? Yeah, it was really surreal. You know, I'd never been pregnant before. I'd never, you know, I'd never, I'd never been pregnant. So, you know, there is a little bit of element in your mind when you're, you know, in your early 40s and you've never been pregnant naturally, you know, you do think, oh, my goodness, is it, you know, am I able to fall pregnant via donor egg? Um, so, yeah, we had two embryos put back. Um, I did end up having a heteroptic pregnancy, which is where one embryo implants in the uterus and one in the fallopian tube. So I did have, you know, a bit of a scare when I just came back. I think I'd only been back from South Africa a week and ended up needing um, emergency surgery to remove the, the ectopic part. Um, but obviously then the, the other pregnancy that was in my uterus carried on and, and is now my son. Amazing, amazing. And so for people who are and grieving genetics, uh, finding out that they may not be able to use their own sperm or eggs, what would your what would your kind of thoughts be having lived it? Yeah, I feel that I feel as a woman, like there will always be a part to grieve. If if you if you are that nurturing person and and your DNA is you know very motherly, like of of, of course you're going to you know, there is that element of, of being, um, you know, sad about using your own eggs. But what I say and, and what my kind of motto is, is that you must always keep your eye on the prize. And your eye on the prize is your baby or your family. That is your end goal. Your end goal is, um, you know, no one goes around saying, I want a baby with my own DNA. Everyone, you know, their thought process um, and their goal is they want a family. They want a baby for their family. So, so yes, absolutely take that time to, to grieve, but but dust yourself off and, and stand back up and, and really focus on what is your end goal. And your end goal is to have a beautiful baby with your, you know, with your loved one to, to have a family. And and it will absolutely happen and it can happen. And we're very lucky with how science is today that, 
that people like me that have been through early menopause um, can can have a family still. Definitely. I think men grieve as well for loss of gen- genetics. In fact, I know they do with my, with my husband. And I think I read that you took six months off, didn't you, before you went forward with treatment to think about the process. And that's something that we didn't do. We went straight into it. And my husband regretted, he didn't regret that, obviously, because we ended up having uh, the children we, we've been longing for. But mm. at the time, he felt that perhaps we rushed into it a little bit. And we he didn't have time to come to terms with his loss of genetics. Yeah, my, it's weird, because um, whilst I was very keen for the egg donor, you know, my husband you know, he was a little bit apprehensive. I mean, he did say to me, he he said, Nat, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can do um, egg donation. And and he is well within his right to to do that. So you so you're exactly you're you're spot on there where you know the the partner can grieve as well. And and you know that's why we did take those six months off to really get our heads in the right position so that when we were moving forward with our decision, that there were no what ifs, there were no, there was no apprehension um, and that we were both on the same page. We were both on the same page. And, and even though he, um, you know, it was my genetics, you know, he was, he did very much relinquish control of the donor. You know, he, he didn't, he was happy for me to pick the donor. He didn't really want to, not not know anything about her, but he trusted me. He said, you know, this is your proxy. I trust you in who you're selecting. Um, you know, I'm I'm happy. I don't need to know kind of anything about it. So um, so yeah, that's kind of where his thought process was. And um will you stay in touch with the donor? Or do you stay in touch with the donor? Well, it's all anonymous over in South Africa, so there, um, so there is no, I guess, ability to connect with her. I mean, obviously, I have a, I've got um, photos for for Jensen. I have um, a very detailed profile of of what she is like in terms of, you know, books she likes to read and the type of person she is, and you know why she considered egg donation. Um, which obviously I will share with, with Jensen. And, and really the only way that potentially we would connect is if the laws ever change in South Africa. So she has selected on her profile that if the laws do ever change, would she be open to having um, a connection with any intended parent? Um, and she has said yes. That's great. That's great. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. And what are you up to now? Um, so now, obviously, I am home. I um, Jensen, our son, is uh, three and a half. We have one embryo left over in South Africa. Um, so just trying to, I guess, navigate when to go back for that. Obviously, given COVID is still very rampant over there and, and obviously we're in lockdown here in, in Australia. Um, but what I, I'm obviously very passionate about my donor egg community. I am an admin of some very large Facebook groups called Egg Donor Angels, um, who we support women going through this journey of, of egg donation. And I have, I'm just about to go and publish my first children's book, which I'm very excited about, which helps adults um, or parents explain to their child that they were donor conceived. Amazing. How did you write that? Was that based on your own experience or was that from learnings? Um, 
So I, I wrote this actually during lockdown last year in Melbourne in September. Um, you know, Jensen was uh, like, so he was just just before he turned three and I felt like it's it's now time to start looking to see what books are available um, for him uh, so that we can start to explain his, his conception. And a couple of the books that I bought didn't really kind of hit the mark with me personally. Like I, I really love rhyming books. Um, as as does Jensen, I find for me they're more enjoyable, and and he loves them as well. So and 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 initially I was I was definitely looking for a local author for for someone here in Australia that could potentially I could support if they had written a book. Um, and there were actually no Australian authors in this space, so I was like, can't be that hard to write a children's book. And and yeah, so I just having been through the process and knowing I guess those touch points of of how that journey transpires. I just kind of put pen to paper and, and yeah, wrote, wrote uh, a poem, I guess, as such initially. Um, and then obviously it's been edited uh, to transpire into a book, which, which very simply and easily explains for small children, so children of, of Jensen's age, three and a half, four, et cetera, about, you know, how mummy and daddy really were looking you know, they really longed for a baby and, and there was no baby. So they went to the doctors to find out why. And, and the doctor said that that um, they needed some eggs and that a wonderful lady donated eggs to them. And and then they were created. They were they were born and, that you know, they're very much loved and, and wanted. Amazing. And when will that be available? So I am just waiting for the books to be sent. Um, they've just been printed, so they're currently um, on their way to Australia. So I should have them in about six or so weeks. We'll include the link to that so that people can find out more because there are so many people who have gone through egg donation or are looking at egg donation who would be uh, very pleased to have that as a resource. So thank you so much for sharing today, Natalie. Yeah, no worries. Thank you for having me, Eloise. It was great to chat. <laughs> 